I'm Ron Harrigan, and this is a Fulcrum Strategies Healthcare Update. Capitation, the C word. For years, if not decades, we've been hearing about healthcare reimbursement transitioning from a fee-for-service system to a value-based system. Until recently, these predictions were much like the song Tomorrow from the movie Annie, where tomorrow is always a day away. Oddly enough, it may be the COVID-19 pandemic that creates the catalyst to make tomorrow today. Recently, Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina announced a new program called Accelerate to Value. This program will provide independent primary care practices with additional funding to replace the revenue they lost during the COVID-19 crisis. To receive this money, the group must stay independent, join one of four approved ACOs, and consider a capitation contract next year. Now, for many physicians, the use of the C word causes a great deal of trepidation. They get worried that capitation is just a slick way for payers to trick them into accepting less money for the services they provide. All right, let me begin by saying that being skeptical of anything and everything that comes from a payer is always a good thing. That being said, not everything they do is bad, and in this case, it isn't. Capitation is a tool. Nothing more, nothing less. Like any tool, its value and effectiveness lie in the skill of the person using the tool rather than the tool itself. Look, a scalpel in the hands of a gifted surgeon can save lives. That same scalpel given to a child will result in somebody getting hurt. Capitation, as well as other forms of value-based reimbursement, are designed to help fix one of the fundamental economic flaws of our healthcare system one that contributes to our problem of healthcare hyperinflation in this country. You see, our current fee-for-service system pays doctors to treat illness, injury, and disease. It doesn't pay them very well to keep people well or to help them avoid illness and disease. Capitation reverses this and pays doctors to keep people healthy. Things like imaging go from being a revenue center to an expense center. Under capitation, the most profitable patient is the patient that is healthy and stays healthy. It aligns the incentives so that the best thing for a physician to do is keep their patient healthy and when they're not, get them to their best state of health as quickly and efficiently as possible. Now, from a philosophical standpoint, most doctors would love to be paid for keeping people healthy rather than only get paid when they're treating their illness or disease. The benefit or harm that a capitation contract can have on a practice is determined by the details in that agreement. These details can be complicated and they are the key to determining how these agreements will function. How do I know this? Well, I negotiated my first capitation contract almost 30 years ago. I've negotiated single specialty, primary care, hospital, and full delivery system cap agreements. Most of these were negotiated while I was working for insurance companies. Some of these agreements worked very well for both parties, including the providers on the other side of the agreement. Others of them were financially devastating. Look, I'm not proud of this, but I negotiated and managed one such agreement that went so poorly that the hospital system actually paid my insurance company for the pleasure of treating its members. I'm not kidding. The cap contract was so bad that after paying for leakage to other hospitals, the cap pool had a negative balance. So the hospital had to send a check to the insurance company to cover the deficit. 
That's how bad these things can get. On the other side of the spectrum was a single specialty cap contract that performed so well for the physician group that the revenue was actually higher than the full bill charges for the services they provided. While these are the extremes, it does point out the variability in these agreements. So how does a medical group ensure that the contract they enter into is beneficial? The key lies in three areas. Number one, understand the data. You have to be able to understand the data and compare the revenue from the capitation environment to the revenue from the old fee-for-service agreement and what it would have produced. This will allow the group to figure out if you're even ahead or behind where you were. Number two, understand how the cap works, how your cap works. If you've seen one cap agreement, then you've seen one cap agreement. They're all different and they all have different provisions. Understanding how they work is a key to being successful under these new payment models. And finally, three, manage your group's performance. Working under a cap contract in many ways is similar to managing a group under a fee-for-service agreement. Medical groups have developed very good systems and reportings to measure physician production under fee-for-service agreements. This is because production is king in the fee-for-service world. In a capitation environment, you need to develop new tools and reporting to manage individual performance under these agreements. If excessive imaging is a cost center under a capitation agreement, you need to be able to measure and manage any overutilization of imaging by the physicians in your group. Groups that are able to effectively handle these three things can and are very successful in a cap environment. Those that can't or don't are likely to do poorly. New payment models like capitation have been predicted for many years. For many physicians, this was always a future problem that didn't need to be addressed right away. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the future is now. It's time to get started. Your ability to transition to these new payment models will either secure your future or eliminate it. Thank you very much, and as always, please be safe and be healthy. Music